You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What's up? Welcome to this episode of the Van Flip Podcast brought to you by Lamb Goat. I'm your host, Lurk, and today I'm sitting with Josh Elmore, longtime guitarist for Cattle Decapitation. Welcome to the show, Josh. How are you doing? Thanks, sir. I'm doing all right. Where are you located today? It's You're, you're a little behind. Uh, I'm in Berlin. Yeah, I was say you're a little uh, ahead of me because you're having a beer and I'm having water. I just got up not that long yeah, exactly. ago. Late night for me. Like but the, uh, Mom said no beer before noon, but hey, it's <laughs> 6 o'clock here. So. Yeah. It's always 5 o'clock somewhere, as Jimmy Buffett said yeah. at one point. Mm-hmm. What uh, do you do? You reside out that out there, or do you just stay out there? Yes, I do. Okay, I've lived there. I've lived here since. Uh, I mean, my the place we live now, the apartment opened up in February, but I was kind of like kicking around like right before the end of the year, and then because of this place not being available technically until the very end of January, it was a lot of Airbnb, you know, stringing those together over the course of January. So. Uh, yeah, but we've been here since, yeah, uh, I think January 28th or something like that. So, yeah, I'm based here for uh, for now. What brought you out to Berlin? Just loved the area? Um, or you just, well, you know? well, I was living in Belgrade, actually, prior to that um, for like a uh, year and a half, two years, whatever. Um, girlfriend's from Belgrade. She got actually, during the pandemic, kind of trapped at home. Mm. She's from there. She was living in Berlin. Um, but she went back, you know, for a few weeks, uh, and then the world shuts down and they close the borders. So of course her visa expired when she was trapped there, mm. uh, or not trapped, but at back in Belgrade. So she tried, you know, contact the German authorities and be like, listen, I'm, my visa is expiring. Well, how do I renew this remotely? And they're like, eh, get a, get an immigration lawyer. Sorry, we can't do anything yeah. for you. Very, very German. You know, so it's like, you can't get on a Zoom, you can't do this remotely. No, you have to do it in person. So uh, she was kind of trapped there for a while. But, you know, things opened up eventually, and she got accepted to a post-grad uh, screenwriting program here uh, that started last September. So, you know, she got she was came back and, like, was living with uh, her, the roommate that she was had prior to the pandemic. And because Berlin is how it is right now with a uh, housing shortage, it, I think we started maybe in August trying to find a place, like casually, and then we got serious about it. But yeah, February. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how long it took, you know, to get a place. And then her screenwriting course ends in, ends in um, like the, uh, the first day of our U.S. tour, so May 11th. Mm. So oh, I get three months out of <laughs> whatever. So, but I mean, for her, it's like it makes sense to stay here um, for that line of work. It's just, you know, I like Bogart a lot. And, you know, she's from there, so she has that sort of. You know, feeling towards it, but for that that industry, it's just much healthier here too. Interesting. Were you originally from uh, San Diego, where the band's from? Did, or no, um, I'm from Central Illinois okay. originally. Um, I grew up. It's like two and a half hours south of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago's here. Indianapolis is here. St. Louis is here. There's a there's a college t- Champagne band at a college town. U of I is there. I'm like 35 minutes away from there. So yeah, middle of the cornfield, pretty much. And then I. Lived in Chicago for many years. So I did college there, and then was in bands there, uh, and then cattle. Kind of not that cattle was calling or anything like that, but <laughs> I all the bands I was in at the time in my mid twenties back then broke up at the same time or stopped playing or whatever. 
So I knew a couple of the, the guys that were in the local well, locust and cattle. Um, uh, Gabe Serbian and David Astor. I knew them, so they got wind of that. And they're like, "Oh, you should move out to San Diego, and we'll start some rad band together." And at that time, nothing was like holding me back. I didn't have you know anything that I had to stay in the Midwest for. So I moved out there, and uh, we did never start the side the rad band, you know, side project or whatever. But Cattle had a need for at that time a second guitar player, so I joined as a second guitar player. But then Gabe Serbian uh, kind of sort of bowed out because the locust was just getting so busy at that mm -hmm. point. And this is 2001, right. you know, so they just got super busy. And so he kind of like uh, sort of passed, passed his duties on to me. So I was second guitar player for like two weeks and maybe one or two practices and then became the only guitar player for like 15, 16 years <laughs> after that. Yeah. So uh, you just got some help yeah. on that. Not, not that recently. Yeah, yeah. In 2016, for like originally just for live only, um, for a couple of years, two and a half years, uh, Dalsario joined, and then we brought him on full time uh, spring summer 2018. So yeah, yeah, he was around for of course the writing of Death Atlas and the writing of the current record Terrasite. And how does that? I mean, does that help you guys out? Because you guys have done the brutal tech thing for so long. I mean, you yourself weren't necessarily an original member in my mind and in eyes though, Josh, you are an original member cause you're on 99.9% .9 of the, yeah. the albums yeah, and of, stuff. Of so. the eight of the 10 albums. And if you're going by actual duration of music, yeah. Yeah, considering the first two together, maybe 32 minutes. Were you, you know? on, were, I, I, remind me if I'm, if I'm not, uh, thinking of this right are you are you on any of the eps too before the full length no there was um try to think if i didn't even want else i think the only eps or seven inches i was on was uh the one that we did in 2005 which was the canine s split yeah, yeah, yeah. um anything like the the spanish language uh seven inch uh was not on that and then i think they did uh they did, there was a carcass tribute uh they did burn to a crisp that wasn't on that and there was like a couple, like another EP, and then obviously Ten Torments, which was way before that. And then yeah, Human Jerky Homovar I wasn't. I didn't have anything to do with those. So right. I came in about eighty-five percent of the way through the writing for To Serve Man. So okay. that's that's where I entered the entered the chat, so to speak. Yeah. How do you guys? How do you guys maintain? Like, one of the writers wanted to know, like, how do you guys maintain? You know your creativity throughout the time that you've kind of been a band for almost 30 years like where do you find the creativity over the course of the time and then how do you stay like motivated and influenced to create you know the art i think there's <laughs> I, can, I can't speak for everyone else but it's like obviously obviously we've had over you know over the course of the band's existence or whatever which i think i sound like the first line of our bio right there but anyway <laughs> um or old bio at least um you know we've had personnel changes you know for the it was these three dudes that started the band uh david astor game serbian and scott miller that lasted maybe three months or so and then scott miller disappeared they found him later it's fine <laughs> but it was a while it's tense there he probably owed someone money i don't know the story um but uh jim travis came in but Travis at that point was playing. Uh, hold on, my stupid phone is giving me this scam likely thing. Thank you, Los Angeles, for scam likelying me. Hold on, here you get a voicemail. Okay, sorry about that. You're more. You're. you're so, second time it got me. This when I'm doing these. Um, so 
Travis came in and he was originally playing guitar hmm. and singing and David Astor was playing bass and singing and Gabe was playing drums. Well, they sort of reconfigured that and then of course Gabe playing guitar, David Astor playing drums, Travis singing. So it was a three piece. Um, that lasted, you know, those first two, you know, for two records, the original first three put out that 10 Torments of the Dam 7 inch. And then Human Jerky Home of War with Travis, Gabe and Dave. Um, and you know, like various comp tracks and whatever. And then um, Troy Oftedal, who was the bass player up until like 2009, he joined maybe 99 or something like that, I think, mm -hmm. 2000 or 99. And uh, and then Gabe quit or, you know, bowed out because it wasn't a quit. It wasn't like some bad thing. It was like still on very good terms. Right. Moved on. Uh, but he, he left in 2001. I joined and it was myself, Travis, Dave Astor, and Troy um, for To Serve Man. Um, David Astor left in 2003. Mike Lachlan, who was in Creationist Crucifixion, uh, joined. Uh, he was with us for Humanure and Karma Bloody Karma. After that, um, he, he left, still in good terms with him too. And then David McGraw, still in the band, joined 2008. Um, then Troy left 2009. And we uh, Derek Ingham joined was around for, uh, it was just the, the four of us, he was around for Monolithian Humanity and Anthropocene Extinction, and then Inner Belisario, Inner Olivier Pinard, he was also in Cryptopsy. Mm -hmm. um, so we've, that's that's our, I don't want to say, I don't want to put it as current lineup, because that always seems like so, like, cynical, like, well, that's the current lineup, give it a month, you know, right. or something like that. That's, you know, I'm, I obviously do not mean that in any way I want, you know, Please, guys. <laughs> you know, we got a good thing going here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 been there's that li those lineup changes with each member kind of bringing their own thing, and then probably if that member leaves or is asked to leave or whatever the situation is. Hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Looks like you're enjoying the podcast. If you are and you like what we're doing here on the Van Flip, why don't you go ahead and pause this, give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lambgoat or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. You know, we kind of, I don't say react to that, but we each kind of bring, you know, like in the wake of that, you know, sort of there's this void of like, I don't say void of creativity, but sort of void that needs to be filled, whether that's a new person or a different, a current, you know, like a longtime member takes on a different role um, in that. But I mean, I, I think those changes, in addition to uh, all of us being very strongly opinionated on what's the best route for a certain song, and us being extremely stubborn and pigheaded and digging in our heels and not backing down. Uh, which creates 
rather large amounts of friction potentially when we're trying to write. Right. I think that's just like, you know, and, and none of us are just so, like I said, just not getting over our stubbornness, just digging in, digging in. So with each record, you know, there's this push to kind of like elevate either yourself. I mean, obviously for the band is the betterment of the band as a whole and the writing, but just like, it's almost just like we're right here. I'm doing this cool thing that I want to contribute. So everyone's just kind of like tussling to put these things in. And that's one of the things that pushes us forward and how, especially the past 10 years, uh, there's maybe, maybe even to, you know, harvest or whatever, uh, these new little elements coming in, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's like a sometimes healthy, sometimes unhealthy kind of competition kind of thing yeah. that um, really, I think, pushes us. You know, I mean, we have this, it's the singular goal we have. We're all on the same page, but it's very differing opinions of how to get there, mm. you know? So that, like any, you know, what I would like to think, good band type, good types of bands, if you don't have that creative tension, if you don't want to strangle each other half the time, then your band's probably not going to be that good. Yeah. <laughs> Was it like yeah. that for? I mean, you, you have a new album, Terrorsite, coming out in a couple yeah. weeks. When this air, when this airs, it's already a, it probably had been out two, two, three weeks. So just give you a heads up. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But did you guys have any of those kind of rough moments in the writing and recording of <laughs> Terrorsite? Oh, every record, every record. <laughs> it's not like there's like we're not throwing like lamps at each other or anything like that. But it's especially like when we're writing. There's times when you have to like, and we're just kind of go into the other room and just sit there and stare at the wall for a while or you know smokers take a break you know do your thing yeah. or whatever smoke them if you got them and all that crap or i'll just you know you know lay face down on a couch or whatever <laughs> something thing uh just stab myself do i feel anything yeah um it just uh there's that's one of those kind of i, I want to say unfortunate the way that it's unpleasant while it's happening but of right. course good results come out of it so it's I'll just say it for ease of way to put it it's an unfortunate reality that that's that's the path to you know getting the best results for our band yeah, but sometimes it's, it it's like a necessary evil sometimes exactly exactly and it's like you know you're sitting there either writing like what it's described or even recording I mean I think we've been fortunate in the past <laughs> he, he would probably have a different opinion on this but uh We've been, especially for Anthropocene extinction, but uh, the path, like in recording, like Dave Otero's been there uh, the past since Monolithic Humanity, yeah. and that has dramatically like streamlined how we do things. Um, he's extremely easy to work with. Um, he gets great results from us as individuals and overall, and. Um, it just, uh, he, he's very good at kind of uh, keeping things at bay yeah. <laughs> and just getting the chair and out and the whip and stuff and just basically keeping us in line. That doesn't mean there's not after hours, there are not dis- <laughs> animated discussions, but I mean, in the studio, like he's like, let's keep on target and he knows how to kind of pat everyone on the hand and like, you know, hmm. uh, keep everyone in line and be to have that good bedside manner that's kind of a calming presence which is something we absolutely need he's a good bed because yeah. there's emotions are so high and tensions are so high and just have whatever have anyone has going on in their personal life is you know creeping in and yeah. it's just yeah he's a good house mom exactly yeah. exactly yeah yeah and he's like he's a sitter for you know <laughs> depending on what band it is how many uh 
you know, grumpy kids, <laughs> basically. Right. I'm sure, yeah, and again, you know, getting a lot of adults in there with conflicting ideas and thoughts, mm -hmm. it gets it gets hectic, especially in a yeah. thing where you're working on a piece of art or creating a piece of work. Or yeah. Uh, so you guys have worked with Dave for over a decade at this particular point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he's almost kind of like, you know, another member of the band, I, some would say. At yeah, the, at this and point. he, it's like, he has a distinct, I mean, I shouldn't say it. He's not one of those guys that, like, everything, if he, if he comes through his studio, that's the sound. Like, everything sounds the same. There's not, like, a, like, a sort of a, the Otero Sheen where it's, it all sounds the same. I mean, he's had bands in there that are like, we're not going to record to a click. We're going to do, you know, minimal amount of takes. This is going to be organic. We just want it to sound really good. And he's like, okay. And then there's other bands that are like, we're going to dissect every note. We are going to shave everything. We're going to make this sound so robotic. It's almost painful. He's like, okay, you know, I'm your guy then. And he'll do all that. We sit somewhere like somewhere in between. Like we want it to be human or like an element of humanity uh, in it, but as good as we can do, as, as perfect as it can be, but with still, you know, organic yeah. elements to it. Yeah. So we kind of reside between those two sort of uh, extremes, but uh, he just, he gets out of bands, you know, the best he can and just does it in a way that's not, you don't hate the guy at the end of the session. <laughs> yeah, that's always good. <laughs> but still gets those performances out of you, you know, I mean, there's guys that like their tech or their technique in getting those performances to make you angry at them. So you're like, okay, then I'll throw you. But he's like, he does it in a way, yeah, you're trying to show him, but it's not, out of anger or just like you know this challenge it's like it's out of like you enjoy working with me value that relationship you want to bring something that impresses him but but not to like you know that's right more of like a because you know he cares about the product mm. a lot you know and you know we've known him for so many years there's a personal and it's like you want to look good for your friend to a certain extent you know yeah yeah for sure does he play any role in like because he's been with you guys for so long and he's been through like different albums obviously and uh what is this like his fourth album with you guys or fourth or yeah this is the terror sites are fourth with him. yeah, yeah. um and, but he's also been with you through like member changes and mem uh, you know lineup yeah. changes and stuff like that is he a good source for like keeping the overall sound on track as as you guys you know swap out members or is that something that you guys just kind of allow yourself to kind of not change, but add that additional maybe flair when you get something. Yeah, he's. Or lose I mean, something. He, I will say like if there's like for like for me like I've tried to at least on my what I'm doing introduce new elements uh, to the band, um, texture guitar texture wise and everything, and it is a. He's always very open to hearing those things and wants you know to have that you know, there to be new bits of creativity, but he's uh, very sort of, uh, well, it's not guarded, very uh, sort of uh, conscious of like not letting anyone go wild and overdo everything. So the, between records, there's not this shock of people going like, oh, are they some sort of, what is this tippy-toe dancing music here? You know, it's like, you know, there's, he, he kind of dials people back, you know, at least, uh, to make it like a more seamless integration between, like you said, with like album to album, or if there's like a lineup change or something, it's not this dramatic difference. Right. You know, um, the only thing that I think between Anthropocene and Death Atlas, um, that was, you know, Derek was there for Mono and Anthropocene, and then Olivier joined Death Atlas. Um, there was a very, like, Derek had a very, uh, 
pronounced uh, sort of desire for bass presence, which I mean, all of us love loud bass guitar. I mean, it's there for a reason, you know. You I, not, none of us are those like bands where it's like, oh, bass is there just to have a guy on stage to move around and really right, nice right. there. We want present loud bass guitar. Um, so going from Anthropocene, which had a very the bass was very pretty hot in the mix, to Death Atlas, where it was dialed back a little bit, I think it was the oh, this is kind of what where it should should be. Um, this is a great sounding record, um, but I think with Ollie coming in, we're like he's such a phenomenal bass player. His tone's great, his playing is great. We're like oh, it's kind of boost a little bit. So with Terrasite, you know things are evened out a little more, and he's a lot more present in my opinion. Uh, both mix wise and you know him walking around and having like little more tasty bits thrown in there yeah. so it's uh to me like thus far uh terasite's the probably their best sounding record i think oh, and awesome. it just it, by having like the bass like at an elevated a little bit his tone refined uh you know or whatever he's done for this record it really you know serves to make the guitar sound that much better too yeah. you know it's a it's a little more when I say warm, I don't necessarily mean analog warmth, but like a a warmer, woodier, like richer sounding record, I think. Yeah. Do you, um, as a guitar person, as a guitar guy, because, you know, you play guitar, um, is that something that you wish, you know, this style of music had more of, uh, more representation from all the instruments in, included in the band? Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of like the earlier stuff was very thin sounding, not a lot of bass uh, or low mm -hmm. end in general in this style of music. So is that something that like over yeah. time you've kind of loved, grew to love, or is that something you've always wanted too? I've always kind of like liked a lot of, well, because when people say low end, I think what they mean is like, or what they're used to, because everyone, at least in heavy music, down generally down to it, you know, from yeah. standard by middling amounts to a lot. Yeah. We've only, we're literally like half a step down. We're like, you know, quote, Slayer tuning. Mm. Or this guy's getting older, his voice can't reach certain things, that tuning, yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever, for other bands. But we've we've always just been barely down. And over the years, it's like, well, why don't we go down to C, C sharp? And it's like, yeah, that'd be, I guess, I don't want to say heavier, because riffs are heavy, not tunings are heavy. Right. But it'd be like, I guess it would make it easy to be heavy or something but we're like well we've kind of it's like with the band name too it's like well we've kind of committed at this point so <laughs> it's going to be kind of a weird change if we do this like oh now we're down to we're tuning down to what everyone else is or you know because like like when travis joined the band he was like this name's kind of dumb but by that time it's like eh, they had a seven inch out they get a bunch of shows so it's like here we are 2023 yeah. <laughs> you now but but uh i i don't know like i the low end thing, it's like uh, most people now consider like, because bass was kind of buried for mm -hmm, so long mm -hmm. that like low ends, well, the guitars are tuned lower and you know, they're EQ'd in a certain way. Um, with us, it's like, like Dave Otero is like, he goes, you know, if you're bringing in records that you really like the recordings of, you got to remember those guys are in D. You guys are in E flat, D sharp. Yeah. So he goes, that makes my job really complicated to try to make your stuff. You know, you have the riffs, but he's like, if you want that sort of sound, you're kind of, you are what you are, unless you just decide to tune down. So I still think, like, because of, um, actually, uh, Ollie plays like a five-string bass, so he can go, mm. he can have that big foundation below us. So it sounds like way lower tuned than it actually is, you know. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I think uh, I'm kind of glad, not that it's just unfair like novelty's sake or whatever, because I'm just I'm just glad we are where we're at. Because I think you lose. There's a uniform. I think at a certain point, like when you tune down like far enough, like you're hearing the range. You're not hearing the tone of the instrument as much. You know. Yeah. So it's like where we're at right now. You still have enough tension to have that kind of grit to it, and it still sounds like a guitar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not a bass with lighter strings. You know? Yeah. No, it's just interesting you brought that up, just because again, like you know, it's to each his own when it comes to, <laughs> unfortunately, that particular instrument in a lot of uh, you know genres and metal. So. Uh, for you to you know single it out was interesting because again a lot of people could take it or leave it you know and some people don't like even want the bass to stand out as much you know playing wise um, you know they wanted just to follow kind of like the drum pattern or basic guitar pattern the guitar or whatever well to me it's like especially like he'll always he'll do these little movements underneath the guitar is doing and it's like it's one of those things that like if you if you weren't picking it out as bass you may not hear it but then if it was gone, it wasn't there, and you you know heard the song one with it, and then took it away, you'd be like, "Wait, what happened?" It just feel different, you know. Yeah. So it's it's definitely like he does a lot of these really kind of like shifts notes underneath what the guitar is doing that adds weight to certain parts or adds some interest or whatever. So it's it's not just a heavy thing with like say his five string. It's sort of he has a very good. Uh, intuition on where to kind of like walk around a bit or to kind of just shift parts to kind of shift or to kind of like alter the mood a little bit you know or to add this sort of crescendo of energy you know yeah um while we're still on uh <clears throat> talking about terracite the new album dropping already dropped but you know dropping on may 12th it's out now may 12th, yeah. out now via yeah. the podcast time that you've the listeners what listening is, to yeah i don't know either but uh yeah so talk speak bringing it back around to that you guys uh, used uh, Wes for artwork yet again, and um, it seemed like you, when you guys dropped the artwork, it created quite a stir throughout the oh, yeah. you know, metal community. Um, was that something that you, I mean, obviously you're not, you, you probably set out for that, obviously, but it's, you know, it's hard to, it's, it, it's hit or miss sometimes when it comes to like, you know, your, what you plan and what actually happens out in reality, but... Yeah. What was the thought process and the idea of coming up of, with the album, uh, you know, cover? Because obviously it, it does run with the band's themes that it's, you know, you have longtime themes of like, you know, being pro-environment, pro-animal rights, stuff like that. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, like how did it all come about and where did the idea come up from that for, for like the big giant alien coming out of the earth thing? Yeah, yeah, the cockroach human thing. <laughs> um, that was... Like, all those ideas are, like, for any of the covers we've had, uh, post-Homo post like, from certain man to present, um, that Wes has been with us, is Travis and Wes kind of, like, Travis saying, here's the concept of the record, okay, and then here's what the title's going to be, probably, okay, talk to Wes. They kind of ping-pong back and forth concepts and ideas, and the result is usually... Regardless of if we see little, like the other members, we see little snippets of like, oh, here's this sort of rough draft, or here's a sketch, and you're kind of like, you sort of like fill in the blanks of what it's going to be, and then you see this final version, and you're like, I don't think I've ever seen it and been like, oh, that's what I was expecting. Yeah. It's completely different, you know, which is the mark of a good artist to me, you know. But uh, with Parasite, it, uh, you know, all of our 
especially okay, Death Atlas, here was a very final statement. Here's this charred earth, this, you know, Atlas sort of skeleton, you know, like Grim Reaper kind of thing. And then, you know, Travis is like, well, we need to kind of turn a corner here uh, with concepts because this is like a final thing. Where are you going to go from here? We're not doing some sort of space, multidimensional, sci-fi, death metal kind of stuff. So it's like, okay, well, I got to really kind of do some figuring here. So that's where that kind of creature kind of came up as this rebirth. Like it's the whole like urban, I don't say urban myth, but just kind of like myth of like cockroaches can survive anything, nuclear yeah. holocaust, you know, environmental catastrophe, whatever. So um, that, you know, it's just kind of melding in this cocooned item of like humanity and this cockroach, which there's all sorts of metaphor buried in there if you want to look at it um, that way. Or, you know, fluff it up. You can just like get as kind of intellectualized certain elements <laughs> more than it was intended to. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, you have this creature, this thing that's has the sort of, you know, voraciousness and hardiness of a cockroach where little, if anything, can kill it. It just keeps coming back or just never is extinguished. And then you have the human element, which is, you know, a selfishness, self-interest, and just consume resources. So put those things together and you have this sort of fantastical other creature that, you know, kind of, hey, it's death metal. It's a horrible thing that you have to look at. You know, there we go. So I think what... Two things about the character, the, the Terracite, I guess you could say, on the cover. Um, one, the color palette is a bit of a departure for us. You know, That's why I was going to bring that the, up, yeah. Spring yeah, record, yeah. there's pastels, you know, or whatever. So it's not, instead of gray, gray, black, red, mm. you know, metal metal colors, yeah. for lack of a better way to put it. You have, okay, yeah, there's the earth. So that's kind of a, you know, earth tone, whatever. You have blades of grass, so there's a good grass green. But then you have pink. Very prominent, yeah, pink lavender, purple, yeah, yeah, and yeah, purple lavender, and then like sunlight, kind of a yellowish, and then white, just from the the rising rays of the sun. Um, so that's okay. Well, here's your color palette. That's not super metal, I guess. And then, as everyone is very well aware, except for us, initially, uh, literally, it was people meme guys were like. And then it was like the Bugs Life. The Bugs Life, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, so, I mean, that was just like, as soon as it came out, you know, here's your post or whomever, and then the walls of this, like, Memes. you know. And initially, if someone was to do that, it'd be like, oh, okay. I mean, we're old, I guess. I wasn't watching that movie when it came out. It's <laughs> yes, like, whatever. There's no way, no way that that's was, a reference point for the album cover, anyway. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Like I was twenty, I wasn't watching you know animated things at that point in my life or whatever. But whatever. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. Then we kind of were like, oh well. If, if, if we'd have seen it a few times, be like, okay, I got it. You know, you got us. But it was like, like with anything, like if people ragging on, regardless of us or any other band, it's like the. People just kind of like keep posting the same things and expect to be rewarded for being clever. It's like, well, someone else did that yeah. two weeks ago. You know, it's it's not initially yes, oh shit, you got us or whatever. But it's not even funny anymore by that point and stuff. So we also just kind of like you know embraced it a bit. You know, yeah, as you said. So what can you do at that point? You know, if you like really dig in and are just kind of like a, a jerk about it, then it just was like they're getting to you, obviously. So yeah. you lose. And I mean, so. honestly, I think it helped uh, just get. I mean. I remember when we, excuse me, when we posted about it, that was one of the things. Like, like you brought up the color palette, and we'll get into that in a second. But um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that was one of the things like you know, the Bugs Life thing did catch on and I just kept seeing it all throughout the internet on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think it really helped uh you know, as annoying as it may be to a band or maybe to you guys, if not, I mean it might not have you might have laughed about it the entire yeah. time. But um you know, I definitely think it helped get the word out and obviously you know, I think uh, with the color palette, bringing it back to that, I think it might open up, you know, some some people to some different uh, thoughts on what they should front their albums with, you know, because it is definitely, it definitely stood out. And that was one of the things that I noticed right away, let alone from the giant, you know, cockroach humanoid creature coming out yes, of Yes, yes. <clears throat> the one thing that really stood out to me the most was the, uh, the pink to uh, purple gradient, or not gradient, but the fade in the background yeah. yeah that really um and again the sh- the sparks are green i mean through uh, there's a truck going by that's shaking everything um yeah. but as a artist or not as an artist but through an artistic lens it's very palatable and i think it's uh, welcoming even if it does have one of those giant you know bugs life men in black characters sitting in the cover of it so i think it draws yeah. people in oh yeah and if you look at like the detail on the face of that thing it's just the de- the stuff that Wes was able to like put into that like expression is just crazy. Like it's just horrible. Yeah. You know, we saw he made a uh, I don't know it was like resin or whatever. He made a model like his little pedestal and here's a stand and this model on a face that he sculpted and then he had other like you know paint and you know digital mashup kind of media stuff. Um, he sent us a picture of this uh, that sculpture and it was just that expression like. Oh my God, this is incredible! You know, had the antenna and everything. Mm-hmm. We're like, dude, it could just almost be this. <laughs> you know, it doesn't tell the whole story, but that's just super, you know, amazing. And then, you know, a month later, a couple months later, whenever uh, we saw the finished product, and everything, when we were in the studio, you know, so it was just like, wow. But I don't. If someone, one of us, thought that they didn't let on at the time, but yeah, that wasn't you know Bugs Life or yeah, <laughs> Men in Black character or whatever. None of us. You know, we're like, oh, there you go. He's Not doing. They're doing much to our chagrin. <laughs> you know, others brought us that to our attention later. So, you um, I was trying to look just real quick on your website for the merch. You, you guys should um, you should think about selling one of those you know creatures. You know, printing out little vinyl. You know what? Okay, I, I we were thinking. Of, I mean, I as a bundle or something. Well, I don't know, but I think even for past records, I, I kind of mentioned one. So it's like you know. Back in the day, those Spawn Todd McFarlane toys where yeah. you had like that diorama and you had like a couple central figures and then this whole setting, we could start to serve man and just go from there if you wanted to. You technically but, could. I mean, like, you think about it this way from all the collector, <clears throat> not only are like metal guys kind of, are metal fans nerdy enough to collect like variants and vinyls of oh, different variant vinyls and stuff like that and cassette tapes people are collecting set tapes now even though they know damn well they're never gonna like really want to listen to that ever in their real exactly. life exactly they just want the physical thing so yeah and like you were saying that the seth the, the the old spawn figures or anything like that i mean people are collecting the funko heads now and those aren't even anywhere no. near as cool as like those nowhere figurines. near but i mean like, like I th- People in the metal scene, I think, would love to have some kind of like brutal thing like that. And again, it goes with the kind of, uh, and you know, I'm an, I'm a metal nerd too, but it goes along with that nerdy kind of vibe of just like wanting to collect everything and wanting to have yeah. a piece of that band, you know, with you at at home. That's not yeah. something just like a CD, vinyl, or or a T-shirt. 
yeah, you think of all the McFarlane stuff, whether it was band related or like all the serial killer stuff yeah. and the actual spawn stuff, how cool that stuff looked. I mean, I was obviously not buying toys at that age or whatever. I remember seeing it like in stores, like it's it's Christmas and you're at Target and they had those things with the end cap and you're kind of like, not a toy person, yeah. um, whatever, but that shit's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty brutal looking, you know? So I, I think I remember mentioning it to Travis. I'm like, man, it would have been killer if someone could do like a McFarlane style diorama thing with this, you know, the, the whatever. And he was just like, I can't imagine what it would cost to like make a mold for those. And then, you know, I think you you only basically lose money up until you get X amount of units done. And it'd have to be probably way more than anyone would want to, yeah. you know, pay for such a thing. It'd be like, so it's going to be like, what, a hundred bucks for this thing? It's going to look amazing. And our band members would be like, look at this cool shit. But, I even think a hundred bucks. I think someone would spend a hundred bucks for a figurine, uh, a I mean, decent I, I size you, figurine. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it was a singular figurine or like yeah, like a setting or had like a yeah. landscape or whatever, I totally do too. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's something in the in like future said, we can do. Like you said, you have many uh, many an albums to choose from, and you can create a set. You know what I mean? And you know, I, yeah, again, I mean, like, like fans would definitely be into it, and it's so uh, unique. It stands out a little bit. I'm always shocked at like the level of I mean there's bands I like which I'm like I'm going to buy everything on vinyl or I'm going to have every one of their CDs or if there's a special edition I'm going to get that Yep. I am total uh, casual listener or casual collector compared to most people like or people that are true enthusiasts like that I mean I, there's a friend of the band actually uh, well personally a person less personally and then you know like a band itself he has I think he was like saying, "Oh man, I missed a variant of Anthropocene. I only have sixteen. I need the next one." <laughs> yeah, he has six of vinyl of versions of Anthropocene. It's yeah. like holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, get that. I don't get that particular. I mean, I do have multiple vinyls, different variants of a of a vinyl, mm-hmm. but I'm not out here trying to collect every one of them because, <clears throat> you know, I like to have some money left over after everything is said yeah. and and it can get crazy if you start going down that rabbit hole. But I will try to get yeah. like a discography for sure, whether it's on CD or vinyl. That's something mm-hmm. I've heard. I'll yeah, I mean, I want, at the end of the day, I want the music, you know? And I mean, if I, there's certain bands that I try that I have that soft spots for that I will kind of always try to get a physical product from. I mean, but I, like, because of my living situation now, all my music, all my physical stuff is sitting in a, a barn in Illinois. Oh, yeah, I hate that. I had <laughs> Where I'm my from, shit. it's like, put it on a pallet, my brother shrunk wrap it, got the forklift, yeah. put it in the hayloft, and it's sitting up there. Yeah, I hate <laughs> so it. So hopefully my records aren't melting in the sun. <laughs> yeah, that would be horrible, man. I had uh, I had all my stuff in storage for a little over a year, and uh, even though I don't have like my record player, CD player, speakers, or anything like that hooked up, I did have to bring all that stuff to my house just because I was mm-hmm. like, I can't. I can't in good conscience leave that out, <laughs> leave it there and just kind of yeah. hope it, you know what I mean? Because I know like for you probably, like you said, like you're probably worried about this out of the other happening to it and I can understand. Yeah, it's sitting in the bar and then I, in San Diego still, I have like uh, a bunch of variants, like Death Atlas variants, you know, Travis tries to give us like, oh, here's this, you know, here's this variant, here's that. And so we'll get this, he'll get this pack of all the stuff, a little bit of merch, whatever we want. And, you know, I mean, I was like, oh crap, I'm moving. It's like, what do I do with all this stuff? So. There's a storage space in San Diego where a bunch of my stuff is still. Yeah. So I literally have stuff in Allerton, Illinois, in San Diego, in Belgrade that we weren't able to move here, in Berlin here, and then probably a couple of tiny little things at my folks' house in Wisconsin. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, I got shit everywhere. Yeah, you've been all over the place, man. 
Mm. Especially, yeah, past couple of years. I was stay put for a long time, and then, you know, yeah. life happens, and here you are. So my next question is, why was it 7,000 dying rats? Why not 6,000? Yeah, how, how did that number get arrived at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I joined that band, uh, I want to say 97 or so. Um, the, uh, the original, the band is originally based in, in Detroit. Um, and a couple, I think three of the guys moved to Chicago. Yeah, not like 96, 95. And uh, they had, I think they had an opening, like a, a bass player and a drummer. And uh, a couple of the guys, the members were still in Detroit. So they only would play like kind of Detroit shows or regional shows because they were like, oh, I'm in this band, but eh, I got a family or, oh, I've <laughs> yeah. got a really good job and I can't tour. So they would play like regional stuff or if they could tour, but it was mostly like, I'm the guy who can tour. I'm the guy who can be here all the time. So they brought me on, and if the other guy's available, he'll do it too. And there were we had three guitar players on stage. At, you know, if it was full full lineup, where it was bass, drum, three guitars. Uh, one of the guitar players would also play keyboards, uh, a sax player, and two singers. Hmm. So it was this you know smaller venues. You're like playing like this. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but it was it was like having a ska band on stage. You know, for like the members. But thankfully, it was not ska. Yeah right. Um, <laughs> yeah right. But uh, but it was like it was one of the funnest bands I've ever done it's, it was so much fun you know it was guys that were grew up on you know top 40 hard rock radio and metal just like everyone else yeah. and had this you know just as you know a love and you know a love for it but also were, weren't exactly like shy about like kind of mocking certain elements of it right know? right right like there's a there's a quote actually on the inside of uh I don't know which seven issue it is. Maybe it's maybe it's actually it might have been on the inside of the Fading the Flames of Fire record that it just says, Are they making fun of us? Which attributed to David Vincent. Because <laughs> they prior to me being in the band, they played in Detroit with Morbid Angel and he was watching them and he was kinda like Are these guys like making fun of metal or something like that? <laughs> it's just like but with the it's like yes and no. <laughs> with yeah. the most love for it, but at the same time, you know, yeah. being about things so yeah that band was in, I super like it was a very enjoyable part of my sort of musical life was playing with them yeah. and uh, we yeah two of the guys still live in Chicago uh, the rest are you know either back in Detroit or you know moved on or whatever and they've gone they went through like if you look at the like the one of the inside of the records like the uh, cast of people that were on the record it was like 30 people because <laughs> it took like a year or two to record over time and then members coming and going and all this so there's a huge roster of folks that were in the band but uh i you know i look back fondly on that they were it was great shows were super fun um the band i think as a band actually played was you know great you know i was really you know super super pleased with the music that came out of that yeah. um and I don't know the seven thousand thing. I have no idea why. We never got to that subject matter. It's like, what? How did you come never up with that came name? Never came up. Never came up in the. Never came up really. Stuff. So, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, they they played after I moved to San Diego in August two thousand. Um, I think they played up until I want to say like two thousand four, two thousand five, maybe, hmm. and then maybe like one, like a reunion last show kind of thing. Um, but you know. Uh, one, a couple of guys have a few kids, and it's oh, just yeah. like they're, they have like 
serious, serious adult jobs kind of stuff. Like, oh, this guy's superintendent of, of this school. You know, that kind of like yeah. one of the singers is, was in um, a teacher, and then he moved on to administration. So it's like, you know, Mr. Vassbinder, you were in a crazy <laughs> band back in the day. Yes, yes, a band. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so it's just funny. Um, what do you do outside of uh, when you're not playing music or in a band? Like, do you because you, you you move around a lot and you're you're you seem to be a very traveled person? Um, what do you do when you're not you know shredding it up? Uh, I was. I it could be for work. Firm. Could be for work or for fun. Either it's an open. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I okay. Well, I would say we've and it's all up to the individual members. It's not like we're all sitting here like right. Put our feet up or anything. Um, uh, whether they would kind of really want to like work like a regular job or not, right? right, right. Um, at least, um, don't if you don't have to. A, if you don't have to, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I was in a I was a law firm. Worked in just like legal assistant kind of stuff or docket clerk for from October two thousand till April twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. So I was a long time employee at a law firm. Is that and they were for like they they were cool with you just touring and just coming back whenever. Yeah, I went on my first tour when I was there in two thousand two. That was the first cattle like nationwide tour, mm -hmm. and um, they were kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll see you later. I'm sure you'll be <laughs> back. I'm like, well, you don't I know understand. how much money we make every night. I'll yeah. see you when I get back from yeah, this. Yeah, you have no They're idea. Like, okay, yeah, we'll see you there, Rockstar. I'm like, no, I'm coming back to this job. And then I get back into town, call up my boss. I'm like, okay, can I come in on, you know, two? They're like, what? What? You're back? Did the tour fail? I'm like, no, it happened, whatever. It's a different kind Why of tour. Like, it's a different kind of tour, guys. I told you guys, yeah. you know? This isn't like, you know, me jumping on a bus and, you know, whatever. So I, over time, they kind of just like, I don't want to say got used to it, but we worked it out. I was very fortunate to have HR there and the administration that was, uh, tolerant of me doing this crap, yeah. and most places I don't, I wouldn't have allowed it. I don't blame them actually, but they were kind of tolerant of it. I had a like a departmental uh, superior boss, whatever you want to call her, that you know was sympathetic to the situation. She's a music lover and had known people in bands forever and all that, and so she kind of she got it and would stand up for me and advocate for me on all that. But I just let it. You know, it was like, oh, he's on tour again. He's going to be gone for the next three weeks. Okay, cool. Well, put it on his desk, and I'll have him finish it when he gets back, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was just there forever. And then in uh, 2019, there was a change in management, not at the firm, but they kind of outsourced a bunch of departments, and things changed. And they came to me and were like, well, new management says you either choose your band or you stay here. Ooh. We can't. You know, but the other people at the firm are like, dude, he's been doing this forever. It's it like works. It's years, fine. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is nothing that's causing a problem here. I mean, if he was to not do his work, if there was to be a problem, then we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this. It would have been how many years ago? Over and done deal. And they were like, do we have to allow everyone to do this then? Because that's what it's looking like. And so uh, my firm is just sort of like, we love you, but... Mm. Yeah. And then literally like so a year I, later, a year later, everyone's working yeah, at home anyway. Yeah, and like... <laughs> New management, the new departmental manager, or you know, whatever, was like, "You're really gonna? Why are you quitting this job?" I'm like, "You kidding me?" Yeah. You know, I've been doing this band for a, a slightly less time than that job at that point, that time, and I'm like, "It's what I do. It's who I am. I'm not gonna stay at this, especially for what I was doing at that time." No, come on now. Yeah. So, 
I left there in April 2019, and then I. Uh, was fortunate enough. I have a friend who uh, has a very has like a small uh, boutique amplifier pedal company, oh, cool, cool, cool. San Diego. So I'd always kind of toyed with like, I was like, hey man, if you ever have any, you know, sort of shop crap I can do for someone who's not, you know, versed in like, you know, building, you know, pedals or you know, amps and stuff, just let me know and I can do it. Well, I mean, it's a small builder, so he can pretty much do everything himself or have like a woodworker or someone that's a immediate person that has it all the time. Well, he kind of got to the point where a couple of employees had left. He's like, well, you want to make pedals mm. <laughs> and stuff like that? Or maybe a couple of amps here and there. I'm like, okay. So I mostly just made pedals. I made an amp a couple for myself, but um, pedals for him. So I just was like soldering iron for, you know, I don't know, a year and a half or whatever that was. That's cool. And then pandemic happens. And like I said, after that, it was like, they'll grade, move, all this stuff. So since then, it's been kind of like, you know, we've been busy enough that I haven't really had to do it, not had to do anything, but I just have, you know. So I think it's that time when you're kind of like, I'm, I'm 47, it's the, hmm. mm. that's my other thing I can do after right. all this. Right, right, right. <laughs> not that I'm looking for, uh, I want this to be able to do this band as long as it, us, any one of us want to do it, you know, and can and feel good doing it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I should just get like a food cart or something. <laughs> that's, yeah. There's only a couple things and grow, like and grow a better mustache and just kind of like you know wear a white hat or something. I don't know. You could you could go down like um, a lot of metal and hardcore band guys usually do screen printing, so you can get into that too. Screen printing, I the, the I, that or like those guys like um, like the death knell of anyone's health is if they're like I was in bands for years, so I think I'm gonna open a bar. That's yeah. just kind of like well, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, <laughs> that's pretty much the. Uh, and he's dead in now. Yeah, okay. he's coming up. Um, so you guys are gearing up. Around the same time that the album comes out, you guys are hitting a tour with uh, Dark Funeral and 200 Stab Wounds and uh, Black yep. Braid, which they're a, they're a very interesting band. Black Braid is a very interesting band that I, that's been swirling around lately. <clears throat> uh, interesting. Uh, are you guys looking forward to that tour, the U.S. tour? Decibel, yeah, absolutely. Tour? Um, yeah, yeah, we kind of, uh, it's like, it's well, it's our, I don't say it's our really, I mean, it is technically our album release right. tour because it comes out the day after we leave um, or the day after we're the first date. Um, but yeah, we just need to be out on the road. And also it's uh, like you're getting these examples of like, yeah, Black Braid. Um, that's, you know, very interesting. I just only heard, I mean, I'm a mostly black metal person, you yeah, know, yeah. as far as extreme that's what I listen to, and um, I kind of just heard blips of them. But then, I, like when it was the oh, this is the band that's going to be on that tour. I'm like oh shit, you know. So I kind of like checked out some of their music and everything like that. So I'm looking forward to watching them. And then 200 Stab Wounds seems to be, um, from what I gather, um, once again, this is all with the, you know, I live under a rock. Like right, I don't. Right, I don't right, right. No one's I expecting. No one's expecting you to know everything, know, Josh. My, my tastes are very like. For whatever style I'm kind of interested, not either interested in, but just like stuff I like, I'm very, I, yeah. I go to the source. Like, you whatever, say, you know? you're just, you're telling everybody you have a life outside of just listening to music all day. We understand. Of just, yeah, of just extreme music. Right, you know, right, it's right, like, right. you know, whatever. So, but, you know, I, you know, there's, I was kind of like, oh, let's just, you know, Metal Blade actually, they're on Metal Blade now. Right. But um, I was kind of curious and I was like, oh, well, they're that kind of, you know, I don't want to lump them in with these other bands. I'm sure they wouldn't appreciate that more with these other bands or whatever. Yeah. But they're kind of of that 
ilk of like younger people playing old school death metal. Yeah, they're like a know? death metal, like a slam death metal band. They're they're, I mean, being not that my ears to the ground more than yours or anything like that, but you know they've definitely started stirring up a lot of uh, muck in the water, so to speak, over the last couple. Yeah, of years with their, yeah. Because their... I would see like I, I went in and looked at like oh what's their shows look like and all that, and they would play like a lot of like more hardcore shows. Yeah, they're, whatever, they're, and be. It's weird how the hardcore is definitely crossing over with death metal a lot, like currently with mm-hmm. with the thrash, uh, with thrash and crossover in general. It's just it's it's they're like building a bridge, you know, to cross. Yeah, over from yeah. There. To where like yeah, yeah. It's almost like it was when I was in high school or like that era. Where it's like yeah, there's crossover bands or there's like oh, I mean, this is a few years older than me, but like it would be one of my old band friends would be like, oh yeah, man, I saw Slayer and Agnostic Front, Venom and Motorhead in one show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that not just a pile, a pool of blood on the floor? Mm. <laughs> what would you, what do you say? Like it was one was like a, I don't know, it was something like Megadeth and the Chromags or something. I'm like, yeah. oh, she <laughs> said, that's a that's trouble, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's yeah, it's almost harkening back to that a bit. So, um, yeah, they were they were, you know like the Frozen Soul and mm-hmm. uh, Super Bog and those kind of bands. And I always thought it was funny too. It's when people you're say not, you're not living under a rock as 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 hard as you think, Josh. You, you you're you're involved. You know what's going on. You got the names. Don't right. offend me. Don't offend me. No, I, you, I like this term. You know. <laughs> you, you were saying that you you don't know everything, or you you know you know whatever. You 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 know enough. You seem to know enough. Uh, enough to be yeah. But it's it's like it's funny like how those bands. I'm not saying they're modeling themselves after like you know whatever. Here's these this handful of old school bands, but it's like, I mean, I think of when I hear some of them like. I almost think like, man, this sounds kind of like the sort of like the latter era of like Wild Rags Records or like mm-hmm. JL America, just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, kind of, or even, even, um, uh, I would say like, uh, what's that, uh, what's that label actually? It's out in Northern Illinois. I should know it. Uh, Splatter Cadaver was on it. Uh, United Gutter. Mm-hmm, okay. Like stuff like that where it's like very just like this, you know, I mean, to use, you know, dated terminology at this point, but like the sickest of the sick, you know, <laughs> super brutalian guys that are just like, you know, unless it's just like been gurgling, it's not true. It's not real. It's not yeah. true. It's not brutal. So it's, it's, I don't think maybe it's enough degrees of separation that those bands, any of those newer crop of bands would ever either one, be aware of that stuff two recognize that acknowledge it in any way. Uh, but that's almost what it, like my ear kind of perceives as it being you know similar to you know yeah. so i don't know but it's it's experiencing quite the uh popularity right now oh yeah so i, so it, I think yeah. heavy, heavy music in general is again with the cross melding of a lot of things because uh, it, it's different than it, it 20 years ago it didn't feel like a lot of i mean it, there were there was crossover but it wasn't as like uh prevalent and it seems like <clears throat> a lot of different genres and their um, fan bases are a lot more open and accepting of like other genres and fan bases and they're just crossing over a lot more and it's making the world a little more fun I think and it's getting uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know it's like those bands like 200 Stab Rooms and Sangi and all those other bands that are coming up that it's just making um, making heavy music great again I guess if, if you want to use mm-hmm. like a, a shitty slang slogan for it but uh yeah, it's it's really doing it's really doing positive work. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's going to bring out. Um, whereas, uh, you know, our like cattle or dark funeral may bring out 
one or two different crowds. Right. Uh, two hundred stab wounds is going to bring up a lot of younger people. Oh, for sure. Who yeah. may not necessarily care, or not care, but just like not be as exposed to. They may, uh, certain know. they may not even know what the lineage is of where that sound came from, or what influences you know two hundred stab. But that's what this you know kids are going to do what we did back in the day with liner notes and t-shirts and promo photos but they're just going to do it in a different exactly. they're going to do it in a different way maybe you know and maybe yeah. they're coming to shows where dark funeral and, and cattle are the top bill but they're here to see an mm-hmm. opening band you know i don't i don't know yeah yeah i mean they might not know like i mean like you and i maybe they're like reading like liner notes and going like oh so you know who is this band the automatic cat feeders building up right now so yeah. sorry and they will come running here in a second but Well, I can't hear it, but I know it's probably uh, yeah. annoying to you. <laughs> it's, so it's like, it's, you know, these kids may not know that, uh, like we did, where it's like, oh, uh, Johannes Vodka Swiller was the was the uh, bus driver on the European tour for Creator in 1986 mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, something like that. Like, I remember reading liner notes and like, actually remember, you know, like, how valuable is that information? Zero. Negative value, yeah, zero. But, you know, useful stuff. I don't keep, but I keep that for some reason. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what we all do. You're like, oh, who was the filling guitar player for uh, Blood Feast? Oh, that was so and so. Yeah, how do I remember that? You know, yeah. you know, it's like at that time in my life where this was this big sponge and loving that culture and just absorbing all of it. And now I'm like, uh, how much algebra do I remember? You know, zero. Yeah, no, I don't ever. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't. I never use that in, at any point in my life ever. Or geometry mm-hmm. for the most part. I don't really do a lot mm-hmm. of woodworking or building myself, so it mm-hmm. it doesn't pertain to me. But uh, yeah, I think the kids these days they don't necessarily. Uh, they won't. You know, they might not view the liner notes and do all this out of the other, but they do have their own ways. There's a lot more content that's available to those individuals. Yes like podcasts and you know a lot more things that are accessible by the internet in general so they don't necessarily need to look at the liner notes but i feel because we were listening to the music while also ingesting those liner notes it became more of a a process because you were really focused on what was going on not necessarily distracted with what everything is going on in the world today like you have everything going on now and it's harder mm-hmm. for you to sit and watch a podcast in length rather than, you know, maybe just put some headphones on and, watch, and thumb through a CD booklet or whatever. And it's yeah. like a whole experience. But they've got their own thing going on. And I think uh, yeah. it would be interesting to see what happens, you know? Yeah, it's got to be difficult with just constant information of varying degrees of value thrown at you all the time. It's like you're getting blasted in the face of the fire hose. It's just like uh, information or yeah. it's entertainment or practical stuff or news or whatever. Like I, it's like I have a really low threshold of like being okay. I'm done with yeah, <laughs> this, you know, or increasingly lower threshold of that. So it's like I don't know. I'm just uh, you know stuck in my old, <laughs> you know, wheeled house, like basement sounding toilet black metal ways. You know, yeah. <laughs> you've you've evolved enough to want to hear bass and want to have a more fuller lower end so you've come, yeah. you've come some somewhere out of the muck you know you're yeah well, my, the, the records i'm on i want to sound incredible right, right, right. when i listen to like for enjoyment and recreation is more kind of just like well this doesn't sound terrible enough yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's like it's like, like black it's playing, and that stuff. Yeah. If I'm in here cooking and like I have it playing on the JBL speaker, my gal will come in and be like, and this this is coming from her who's like a black metal fan too. So it's not like she's unused to that or not used to that music. She'll be like, it sounds like dimes in a dryer. It just sounds like with the, someone screeching over it. I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Leave me be to my devices now. Yeah, uh, Josh, it was great talking to you, man. I thought I'd be getting you out of here a little earlier than I'd hoped, but you, we just kept going, so here we are. But All good. I appreciate your time. Uh, congratulations and good luck on the tour. Congratulations on Terrasite coming out and a long career in the you know some weird subgenre of heavy music. Uh, congrats on that. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys maybe in Atlanta or Tampa. We are based in Jacksonville, uh, in Florida, so... Uh, we, okay. we may be uh, able to swing out there in a month or so to see you guys live. So, yeah, great having you on. Man. Thanks again, and enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you, sir. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from The Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.